Hi, I'm Charles Morris, and I'm thankful for the 88-plus year legacy that we have here at Haven Ministries. Even during the Great Depression, when we began in 1934, we pointed to the great story that's all about Jesus. And thanks to you, we're still doing that today. It's friends like you who support what we do. So as our fiscal year ends tomorrow midnight, and we still need to raise a little over 260000 to meet our budget, would you please pray about how much you can send? Your gift is tax-deductible, but more importantly, its kingdom value is worth even more. I'll give you our contact info in just a moment, but now let's start today's program. The abortion debate rages. Some articles ask if America is heading towards civil war. Some Christians debating if we should or should not defend the unborn. And then breaking news, late Monday, a truckload of migrants dead in Texas. Scores of migrants in a semi-trailer in San Antonio were found dead. Sixteen were taken to local hospitals. Authorities say temperatures had 150 inside. Three have been arrested. What a lack of regard for human life. And I'm seeing this everywhere. The wife of a co-worker here at Haven recently posted on Instagram Psalm 139. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Many gave her thumbs up. A few cursed at her. Another defending abortion, saying Christianity has killed more people than it's helped. Though some in Jesus' name have done wrong, history teaches Christianity opened hospitals, brought aid to orphans and widows. In John 15, it was Jesus who said, They will hate you because they hate me. But he promised to send the Spirit to help us testify of him. Well, may we point everyone to the forgiveness of sin found in Christ alone. And may he help us do so with grace and peace. Welcome to Haven Today here on Wednesday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series called Unlikely Conversions. All week, we've been talking about unlikely conversions, like C.S. Lewis's surprising conversion to Christianity. He was an atheist or an agnostic, and the horror he'd seen in the Great War did not make him eager to follow Christ. But eventually the love of the Lord won him over, and he had to admit God is God. Jesus Christ is Savior. It was unlikely, but it did happen, and the Lord used it to reach many more for the kingdom of God. Stories like this happen in the Bible, too. People who have no business following the Lord eventually turn to Him. And it's like that today in our world. Sometimes the people we think are the furthest away are actually only moments away from turning to Christ. On today's program, we're going to think about two conversions that will probably surprise you. Adam and Eve. And they each have two conversion stories, one to sin and then one back to God. Stay with me as we're going to look at our original parents and how their story of redemption gives us hope today, hope in Jesus. And like I said, we've been thinking for the last couple of weeks about the unlikely conversion of C.S. Lewis. He had a photographic memory, an amazing ability 
to analyze literature and not forget it either. And though he loved mythology and supernatural stories, he had no interest in the God of the Bible. His mother's death as a young boy and then being wounded in World War I gave him all the more reasons not to believe. But the Lord had other plans for Lewis and was working on his heart in the strangest of ways. About this time, one of my fellow tutors, the hardest-boiled atheist I'd ever known, sat in my rooms on the side of the fireplace and remarked, the evidence for the historicity of the Gospels, surprisingly good, rum thing, all that mythology about the dying God, rum thing, looks as if it really happened once. I was shattered. If he, the cynic of cynics, who's never since shown any interest in Christianity, were not, as I still would have put it, safe, where could I turn? A scene from the most reluctant convert, the untold story of C.S. Lewis. A powerful film that tells the story of how the God of all the universe got hold of a hard heart, how Christ became his Savior. It's a wonderful, even touching story. Your faith will be uplifted as you watch, and I know you'll want to share it with others who are struggling in their faith or don't believe at all. God can use this movie. So after the program, I want to send you this DVD for your support of the ministry. Our fiscal year ends at midnight tomorrow, and I'm praying for your help to reach our year-end goal. So please pray about how generous the Lord wants you to be. And then call us after the program. Call 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website, check out the movie trailer, and then you can make your tax-deductible gift and give us a little more than you had maybe planned at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Now let's get the program started. Here's Jaden Lavick. Come the fountain, every blessing to my heart to sing my praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious song.
let thy goodness like a fetter by my wandering heart to leave. Prone to wander, Lord, I fear. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Come thou fount of every blessing, Jaden Lavick, opening this haven today, a program called Unlikely Conversions. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for being with me here in the middle of the week. No one knew what C.S. Lewis was wrestling with before he converted to Christianity. They just assumed he was settled in his disbelief. They didn't know he was on the verge of conversion. We don't know what others are going through, which means we don't have the right to shut anyone out from the good news. We don't get to decide who gets to be a Christian and who does not. That's something these stories of unlikely conversion teach us. We love to draw our boundaries around who can come and who cannot. But the unlikely conversion story of C.S. Lewis, the unlikely conversion stories in our own life, And the unlikely conversions we read about in the Bible all show the same thing. It's the Lord who decides. He's the one who welcomes all kinds of people from all walks of life into his kingdom. But the story of unlikely conversions goes all the way back. And one other thing that I should mention, which figures into what we're going to talk about, the story of unlikely conversions begins all the way back in the garden. You know the story. The Lord created the first human couple. We call them Adam and Eve. But Genesis 3 just calls them in the beginning the man and his wife. He put them in the Garden of Eden. And out in that garden there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord told them, you can eat of any tree you want to. But if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, on that day you shall surely die. And then, as the story goes on, a tempter comes on the scene. The story of Adam and Eve is really the story of two conversions. The first one is in the opening lines of Genesis 3. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. We know then what happens after this in Genesis 3. The Lord comes, he puts a curse on the serpent, he gives a reprimand to Adam and Eve, he kicks them out of the garden, but the scene we just heard is a conversion. And it's an unlikely conversion, isn't it? Adam and Eve were made to know the Lord, and they had no sin. How could they convert to the serpent's words? Well, that's a question theologians have been trying to answer ever since this story was first written. And I'm not going to pretend to have an answer for you, but let's just think about how the serpent converted them. He appealed to their memory. Did God really say? That's a question about the command not to eat, but it's also a test of memory. Are you remembering correctly what he said? It's also an appeal to God's goodness, isn't it? He's holding something back from you. Did he really say that? Surely he doesn't mean that. We face temptation like this every day. And instead of indulging in it like Eve and Adam, we can remind ourselves that God is always good, and he doesn't withhold good things from his people. The serpent appealed to their desires. Don't you want to have your eyes open? Don't you want to have more wisdom? Don't you see how good this fruit will taste? It's beautiful, isn't it? All of a sudden, we're caught up in a desire to disobey. The promise seems so fulfilling. Conversion to sin does not happen all at once. It appeals to our memory, our knowledge, the Lord's goodness, and it appeals to our desire for good things, but encourages us to get them by disobedience. Adam and Eve were converted to the serpent's scheme. One theologian even says that the Hebrew language in this passage shows that Adam and Eve had enlisted in the serpent's kingdom as co-conspirators in a coup. And of course, the Lord is almighty, so the coup was unsuccessful. Adam and Eve were evicted from the garden. The serpent was cursed. But this unlikely conversion story, Adam and Eve converting to the serpent, is only half of the story. Genesis 3 is the story of two conversions. The first is what we just saw. The second is the Lord God Almighty bringing them back. He didn't just kick them out of the garden. He kicked them out with a promise. It's what many people call the first gospel, the very first indication in the Bible that the Lord would eventually overcome evil in the world and save his people once and for all. You hear it as he curses the serpent in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. Now that's a promise of life. The serpent had succeeded in converting Adam and Eve, and as a result, the human experience in the world would be much worse. But the Lord was not finished yet. He promised life. There would follow a period of strife between these two, that serpent and Eve, but the promise of life. 
is the promise that this serpent would be crushed eventually. A son from Eve would step on his head and kill him. And of course, we Christians who know our New Testament believe this son is Jesus. He is the one who came to crush the head of the snake, and he did it on our behalf. And the Lord went on. He made Adam and Eve skins of leather to cover their nakedness, to cover their shame. And he then sent them to the east, out of the garden. They had to live their lives as exiles from that point onward, but as exiles who would one day return to the kingdom when the son of Eve made a way. And that's the second conversion in Genesis 3. They had left the Lord to follow their own desires but he didn't let them leave for good. He pursued them. He brought them back with this promise of life. And do you know what? He does the same for us. We may leave. We may be converted to sin for a season, but the Lord's love doesn't let us get too far. He comes after us, pursues us, leads us gently back, and reminds us that Jesus has paid the price. His heel has been bruised, but he is ultimately triumphant over death and sin. And because Jesus didn't just die, he rose again to new life, and that new life gives us a promise that we'll be with him forever. It's an unlikely conversion, death to life, sin to salvation, but it's what the Lord is doing. And he calls us to have faith in him as he brings us faithfully home. Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin stain he washed it white as snow Lord now indeed I find thy power in thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all 
I love that album that that song is from. The album's called Storm, and that, of course, is Jesus Paid It All, Fernando Ortega, here on This Haven Today. I look forward to meeting Adam and Eve in heaven and what stories they will share, no doubt, about the newness of the world they lived in and how the Lord saved them despite their great fall. And I also look forward to meeting C.S. Lewis, I'll enjoy hearing firsthand from him how Jesus became more precious to him than all the books in the world. But in some ways, I feel like I did get to meet him briefly when I recently saw this movie, The Most Reluctant Convert, The Untold Story of C.S. Lewis. Max McLean plays an older Lewis talking to the camera, walking us through his life and conversion to Christ, I've never experienced anything like it. You really do feel like you're sitting down with Lewis and hearing his story firsthand. And much of the script is based on his autobiography called Surprised by Joy. In the Trinity Town, 1929, I gave in and admitted that God is God. Knelt and prayed, perhaps that night the most dejected, reluctant convert in all England. I did not then see the divine love that would accept a prodigal on such terms. Kicking, struggling, resentful, darting his eyes in every direction, looking for a chance to escape. 
The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of man. His compulsion is my liberation. A scene from the most reluctant convert, the untold story of C.S. Lewis. As I watched it, I found my faith renewed. I was reminded that God is able to save the hardest of hearts, including mine. Well, I want to send you the Most Reluctant Convert DVD for your fiscal year-end gift to the ministry. We could really use your generosity to make our budget by tomorrow midnight. So, with that in mind, would you pray before you call us or go online? And then call us or go online and make your year-end gift, but also ask for the DVD. The number you can call, we're standing by waiting for your call, is 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or watch the movie trailer on our website. You can also make your gift there. It's haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Come back again tomorrow. When again, on the final day of our fiscal year, June 30th, we'll celebrate together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Heaven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. One of the greatest phrases in all the Bible is only five words long. Such were some of you. It comes to us from the book of Corinthians. We know the Corinthian church was full of sinful characters, people who still struggled with deep sins. Yet Paul could speak to them in the past tense, idolaters, greedy, adulterers, liars, haters of the Lord, such were some of you. In Christ, our sin doesn't define us, even if we continue to struggle after coming to him by faith. We too can declare, such was I. But in Jesus Christ, I have been made into a new creation. So live your present in the past tense, such were some of you. Read God's word daily. Visit GetAnchor.com.